Blog Talk Radio. Are we ready, sister? I figure we are. Well, good morning, good morning. Let's stand together. Let's take us a songbook out and turn to number 12. Old Rugged Cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Oh, the old rugged cross so despised by the world as a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. In the old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see, for twas on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. To the old rugged cross I will ever be true. It shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away, where his glory forever I'll share. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Amen. That's really going to happen someday. Praise God. We're going to lay it all down there in heaven and say the battle is over. Praise God. Amen. I look forward to that day, folks. So look forward to that day. Amen. Prayer request this morning. Prayer request. Yes, Miss Charlotte. Okay. All right. Pray for, pray for them. Anybody else? Prayer request. Okay. Okay. I've got a friend, and I've mentioned him before, Ronnie Goforth. Uh, Grant will remember who I'm talking about. He was a man I baptized the day y'all stopped by when we were meeting at the restaurant. Uh, he's been up in Nebraska. I've had us praying for him. He's going through some some kind of difficulties in life. Well, I just he told me last night he had a heart attack day before yesterday, and uh, his his woman left him. He had a heart attack. 
and he's by himself, and ain't got no friends, and he's staying in a motel. Y'all pray for him. He needs lots of prayer, and like I say, ain't nobody to look out for him or nothing. But uh, he's in a hard place in life, and he needs he needs to get back down here where he got family and friends around him. But I told him, I said, just read your Bible, just get let the Lord make you stronger. You just take care of yourself and get stronger. But anyway, um, anything else? Anybody else? We're gonna eat afterwards. Amen. Ain't that good? Hallelujah. I smelled some of it. It smells pretty good, too. Amen. Uh, I've been pretty big on preaching and eating here this last week. We've been doing that quite a bit. Amen. <laughs> Let me just tell you a little bit about it so I, I, they don't they don't mind standing up here, and y'all don't mind standing. <coughs> well, all right, then. They're standing. <laughs> anyway, we had a wonderful trip. Uh, the Lord really blessed. It was a good a good time. Uh, you know, that church reminds me a lot of this church because people, everybody in the whole church is willing to pitch in and help and do what's needed. And, and uh, you know, so it was kind of like being at home in a way. It's very similar, very similar crowd of people. And, and, uh, and they were all real responsive every night. We had, we had good crowds every night. Uh, the Tuesday night, um, Tuesday night I preached. I preached on uh, I preached the message I preach here. None of these things moved me. What Paul said from Acts chapter twenty, and uh, I preached I preached almost an hour, and uh, I was done with the message, and and God said to my heart, "You need to give the gospel," and uh, so another twenty minutes went by, <laughs> and uh, I know you think one hundred twenty. I mean, uh, an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, but the old boy over here got saved. Amen. Amen. He was a former Roman Catholic. Uh, his wife was a Baptist, and uh, I don't. I didn't get his name, but I want to tell you. Uh, and I, you don't have to know somebody's name to pray for a situation. But the night before they had come in, we'd come in, and, and Brother Chad had set up a, a little. It's a little church house, but it's a box for prayer slips. Set it inside the door. Well, as soon as that couple got there, and he had a little girl with him, about ten years old. And as soon as they got there, she made a beeline over and wrote something and put it in the prayer box. And Brother Chad noticed that. And uh, the next morning, he uh, went through the prayer request, and he got down to the bottom one, and he knew that was that little girl's. It said, uh, please pray for me. My mommy said she wished I would get run over by a car. Uh, these parents were in a very bitter uh, child child uh, custody uh, case, and the mother was evidently had some pretty bad thoughts going on in her head, so... This dad was troubled anyway because he was going through that. That was Monday night. Tuesday morning he got that message. You know, God had him there Tuesday night. He heard a message about not letting anything stop him, but then he realized, hey, I need God. I need to be saved. And God got and God saved him that night. I, pray, I praise God for that. And, uh, you know, they, they, they seem like they want me back sometime next year. So I'm excited about that. But they took real good care of us. They put us up in an old... Uh, and it was like a 1930s farmhouse that some yuppies from Austin had remodeled for their liking, and so it was really it was really nice, and uh, well, kind of secluded out away from everything. It was just right up my alley, amen. And like I said, they fed us good, took care of us real good, and and it was a real blessing. But I'm glad to be home this morning, amen. I'm glad to be here with you, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to bless the offering, and uh, and let's pray for the service and everything else, and. And uh, Brother Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. to number 51 number 51 I know whom I have believed number 51 I know not why God was 
wondrous grace to me he hath made known. Nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word brought peace within my heart. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not how the Spirit moves, convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through his word, creating faith in him. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not what a good or ill may be reserved for me of weary ways or golden days before his face I see. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. I know not when my Lord may come at night or noonday fair, or if I walk the veil with him or meet him in the air. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. Amen. I looked up from my songbook just a minute ago, right next to Grant, and I was expecting Bonnie, and man, you wasn't nothing like Bonnie. <laughs> I said, well, I thought to myself for a split second, what has happened to Bonnie? <laughs> Something bad happened in the kitchen. I Amen. No, brother, I'm glad you're here this morning. Amen. Good to see you. Here with us, amen. Number 75, number 75. <clears throat> Sound the battle cry, see the foe is not. Raise the standard high for the Lord. Gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Press your cause upon his holy word. Rouse and soldiers, rally round the banner. Ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throng. Strong to meet the foe, marching as we go. While our cause we know must prevail Shield and banner bright Gleaming in the light Battling for the right we ne'er can fail Rouse then soldiers Rally round the banner Ready, steady Pass the word along Onward, forward Shout aloud, Hosanna Christ is captain of the mighty throng. O thou God of all, hear us when we call. Help us one and all by thy grace. When the battle's done and the victory's won, may we wear the crown before thy face. 
Crowds and soldiers rally round the banner. Ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throng. Amen. Let's turn to 169. 169. Tell me the story of Jesus. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell me the song glorious, sang as they... Hold on now. We don't, we don't win it. Let's see. Read to God in the highest, peace and good tidings to earth. Tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Fasting alone in the desert, tell of the days that are past. How for our sins he was tempted, yet was triumphant at last. Tell of the years of his labor, tell of the sorrow he bore. He was despised and afflicted, homeless, rejected, and poor. Tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid him. Tell how he liveth again. Love in that story so tender, clearer than ever I see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper, love paid the ransom for me. Tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Amen. Gone. The veil is gone. The veil. 
gone Since he died and rose again And he took away our sin The veil is gone The veil is gone We have access to the throne The veil is gone Well, we're down upon our knees Sending up our pleas Jesus Christ is now our mediator. We can come to him each day. All we have to do is pray. The priest that we have now is even greater. One day not far away, we'll no longer have to pray. In heaven face to face In all its splendor Well look upon the one who died His hands, his feet, his riven side And throughout the endless ages We'll remember That the veil is gone The veil is gone Since he died and rose and he took away our sin The veil is gone The veil is gone We have access to the throne The veil is gone We have access to the throne The veil is gone Praise the Lord this morning. Amen. He sure is good. Well, it's good to be back in my own pulpit. Amen. I've been stuck behind a loose sack pulpit. That's about as me as a pink Cadillac would be, I guess. Amen. <laughs> but anyway, but that's what they had. Amen. And I'm going to tell you how smart I was. We were loading it up in the truck Sunday after Sunday morning service because Brother Chad preached Sunday morning. And and I wanted him to because I had never heard him preach. I mean, I've heard him preach pieces of sermons, but not in his own church. I just wanted to hear him preach. And we were loading up that pulpit. He was putting it in the back of my truck, and I guess it hung when he was shoving it up in there. And the top of that loose pulpit busted, and it cracked halfway across it, and it was cocked up in an angle. And I got up and I said, "Here, Chad, let me help you." And I hopped on that plank too. I looked down, I sliced my hand like a sharp razor blade. I thought, "What have I done?" Anyway, I had, to, I had to preach behind that, so it's all right. God can use anything. Amen. Even a loose that pulpit like I'm on TBN or something. Praise God. John 17, 14 through 15 this morning. I tell you, one thing they do down there that I really enjoyed, and you don't have to do it here, but you may, if you want to, I'm not going to tell you not to. Uh, they started this last year when I was there, and it, it came from the evangelist who preached last year's revival. When they call out the scripture from the pulpit, everybody goes, "Woo!" I don't know why they do that, but anyway. I guess because if you don't cheer for something, you might cheer for the Word of God. Amen. All right, we cheer for other things. Some of y'all be cheering this afternoon. I know. Where did Robert go? I know he will be. Amen. All right. John chapter 17, and we are in Jesus' high priestly prayer. Amen. That work. I like it. See, that's good. That make that that made me that's a little chill up my spine. John seventeen, okay. So we're gonna look here in verse fourteen. And uh and we're again we're talking to Jesus high priestly prayer. Y'all know where we're at. We're on, we're in the va- Kidron Valley on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Him and his disciples, it's 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 merely moments before he kneels and prays in the garden and then uh and then the soldiers come and uh you know he's betrayed with a kiss. We're, we're just near, maybe, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes, an hour. I don't know how far away we are from this, but we're not far. And again, this is this is the Lord praying for his disciples. He's about to leave them, and he's praying to the Father for their care. He's praying to the Father for them to be equipped, and he's praying for them that they might be able to survive this world when he's gone. And he's asking the Father for all the things that they need. And we've talked about a number of these things. 
and we've worked our way down through here, taking it little by little because I don't want you to miss anything. And uh, and again, this morning we'll be on chapter, uh, we'll be in verse four and fifteen. Let's start there at the beginning and read down through verse fifteen. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they received them, and have surely known that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou hast given me, that thou gavest me, or rather, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. And let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we come before your throne today. And Lord, we need you. Father, we need you. Lord, we're living in the midst of this wicked old world. And Lord, you know it's not getting better. And Lord, as we've seen, Lord, at least I've seen in just recent days, people have been arrested on the streets of America for singing gospel songs. Lord, this world hates us. People are arrested these days for preaching the Word of God. Lord, we, we're, we're living in times we never, we never thought would come, and it's going to get worse, Lord, if you tarry. Lord God, if, 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 if this world continues down the track it's headed, it's going to get continually worse. And so, Father, we pray today that you might steady us in our walk, you might steady us in our mind and our heart concerning this matter. Lord, because nobody wants to be hated, nobody wants to be despised, but, Lord, it's a reality. And, Father, I just pray that you'll help me today to preach the word. Lord, help me to make it clear and help us to find our comfort in you. Lord, we can't find it in this world. So, Father, we pray now that you might take the word of God and bless it. Father, I pray you'd put your hand upon me. Lord, I'm your servant. You know that I, I need you above all things. Lord, I need the breath of God on me today. Lord, you've been with me all through last week. Lord, you poured yourself out and you helped me, Lord, and I pray you do it again this morning. Lord, and work on each and every person who's here, each and every one who's come to the house of God to hear from you. Lord, I pray they not be disappointed. And Father, those who will tune in and listen to us, wherever they may be, I pray the Holy Spirit of God work there in their hearts and lives. Lord, if someone needs Jesus, I pray today be the day they find him. Oh, Lord God, I pray somebody be saved. Please bless us now. Meet with us. Pour out your spirit. Forgive our sins, Lord, which are many. Cleanse us. Make us a vessel fit for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. You know, when I got saved, nobody said, now I'm going to tell you something, when you get saved, the world's going to hate you. Nobody said that. You know, they don't, you, don't, you don't hear that before you get saved. That ain't part of the gospel invitation. The world's going to hate you. Now, I don't know that that's going to 
I don't know that that would keep somebody from wanting to be saved, amen, unless they love the world. And, they, and, they, and, you know, because when the Spirit of God comes to a person, in order for a person to get saved, they've got to realize just how vile their sin is. And they realize that their sin, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's the currency of the world is sin. I mean, listen, the world goes around with sin, amen. And so you have to come to the realization that sin is, is your enemy, that sin is going to destroy you. Sin is what you have to be saved from. We have, I think we have this, uh, we have this false uh, narrative coming out of a lot of churches that we're saved from hell. Y'all realize that? We're not saved from hell. We're saved from sin. Hell is the result of sin. Amen? Hell is the, hell is the wastebasket for those who refuse to come and, and deal with their sin before a holy and righteous God. So the world, the world absolutely hates us, and, that, and that's okay, amen? That's okay, but that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Listen, we shouldn't expect the world to admire us because we're Christians. We shouldn't expect the world to applaud us because we're Christians and because we name the name of Christ and because we believe this book. We shouldn't expect people to vote us into their Hall of Fame because we're believers and, we, and, we're, and we're, we're decent moral people. We shouldn't expect that. I mean, look look at what they did to our Lord to begin with. You couldn't find one who was more perfect. He was perfect in every way. He was righteous in everything he did. He was righteous in every statement he made. In all of his actions, he was perfect and just and righteous, and they hated him. They crucified him. They rejected him. The world still has the same animosity toward Jesus that it had on the day that it crucified him. Don't think for one second that, 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 that that's changed at all because it hasn't. And the thing is, as you, as you become a faithful representative of Christ, and that's what we ought to want to become, that ought to be our heart's desire, is that day by day and, and moment by moment and glory by glory, as we read the Word of God and as God speaks to us personally in our heart and our daily devotion and He washes us with the Word of God daily, we ought to become more and more like Christ. But as we become more and more like Christ, we become less and less like the world. We become a, a more faithful a more faithful witness, a more faithful representative. When I say faithful, I mean we act less like we used to. We, the, the less of our former ways and our former way of talking and our former way of acting shows up and more of Christ shows up in us. And as we become more like Him, they'll want to do the same thing to us that they did to Him. But the thing is, God says that we are not of this world. We are not of... I mean, that's why them old songs are in the book, you know. We're pilgrims and we're strangers here. We're seeking a city to come. Lifeboat soon is coming to gather the jewels home. Listen, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Oh, Lord, I, I, I can't feel at home in this world anymore. There's a reason why that, because we're not of this world. We're just as alien to this world as if, as, as if some little green man come down from Jupiter and landed out in the middle of a field somewhere. We are, we are not... From this place, amen. I know he's born here, but we are not of this place. Because the Bible tells us that all that is in the world, it talks about, again, the lust of the flesh, again, which is that consuming desire to do what I want to do. It's my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's the world. And the world preaches that from the get-go. It tells you that. I mean, <coughs> as soon as a child steps into a kindergarten room, they're told by the teacher, you can be anything you want to be. Just follow your dreams. We're told that from the get-go. But, folks, that is not godly. God would have us to pray and seek his will and follow his will and get in the center of his will and forget our will. If Jesus prayed, not my will but thine be done, who in the world are we? to take a position, we can just go on and live our will and do what we want to and uh, separate from what God wants and please Him because it's impossible unless we do it His way. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, again, that desire to do whatever I want to do, the lust of the eyes, I want to have whatever I want to have. I see this, 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 this. I'm not going to ask God if He wants me to have it. I'm just going to go get it because that's what I want. 
That's of the world. That desire, that way of doing things is of the world. And the pride of life, thinking I know more than I ought to think. This is the best thing we can ever do is humble ourselves and, and realize that I don't know a whole lot. Amen? It's, the older I get, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know anything. That's the great thing about getting older. You don't have to, I mean, okay, I don't know nothing, and I'm okay with it. Amen. Thought I was going to figure it all out, but I didn't figure it out, so whoopee, there we are. Amen. Wise man don't know a whole lot. He keeps his mouth shut, too. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But the Bible says that pride and that cockiness and the arrogance and that know-it-all, and that look down my nose at other people, and I think I know much, so much I've got to hold my head up way up high. Listen, that's not of the Father. That's of the world. That whole attitude, that person that I'm describing who does what he wants and gets what he wants and thinks what he wants, that is not a Christian. Amen. The Bible says that, that that's the way of the life of the world and, and the way of the life of Christian. We find that in Philippians 3.20 where it says, for our conversation, which means not us standing here talking, having a conversation back and forth, but it literally means our way of life, our manner of living is in heaven. If you want to know how we're to conduct ourselves down here, you'd have to, you'd have to see how, how God does it. How does God do it? Well, it's in this book. He's given us his wisdom. He's given us his truth. He's given us his righteousness. He said, our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're expecting Christ to return, then guess what? You ought to have your affairs in order. Amen. We ought not be waiting around to do that. We ought to have affairs in order today. Amen. Not, not, not be putting it off, but to get our affairs in order today because we don't know when the Lord's going to return. Amen. We said it, he said it in Sunday school, and he's right. We don't know the Lord. No man knoweth the hour. God has it in his power and his control. So we need to be looking up and looking for him at any time because we truly don't know for sure. So... So we're, because we're not, we're, listen, we're looking to go home. I don't want to stay down here no longer than I have to. I want to go home. Amen. <clears throat> but Jesus said, if the world hates you, don't worry, it hated him before it hated you. And that word world there in that passage, that's the Greek word cosmos. And there's numerous definitions of that word cosmos, but the one relating to the world here in that verse where it, where it talks about the world have hated them. Cosmos, the world, is the ungodly multitude. That's the definition. It's the ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men, alienated from God and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ. Yes, that world. The part that, the part that rejects that God should have any rule over them, that rejects that Christ was number one, perfect, and number two, the Son of God, and number three, that his death did anything. They don't believe it. They think it's a joke. They think it's a crutch. They think it's a fairy tale that we lean on and, and, and find comfort in. And we read this not too long ago, but in John 15, 18, and 19, if the world hates you, ye know that it hated me for it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. I mean, that hatred's been going on for a long time. Think about it. It was manifested early in the history of the world. The Bible tells us in 1 John 3.10, the Bible says, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Why did he kill him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Cain, Cain knew he was a wicked man, but he looked over and he saw Abel doing things God's way. And he just couldn't, he couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle being wrong. He couldn't handle his brother doing right and his rightness pointing out his wrongness. I don't know that Abel jumped up and said, Cain, you're a wicked sinner and you need to quit trying to bring God your, your vegetables and your fruit and present them as your good works. You, I, mean, I don't know that Abel was jumping up and down, hooting and hollering at him because of what he did. Maybe they had a conversation about it. Maybe he just said, hey, God, God, God doesn't want your works. God wants a lamb because, hey, there's a lamb coming. 
I don't know how he put it, but I know this. When he saw that Abel was not trusting his works but was trusting God, it irritated, it irritated Cain so much that Cain picked up a rock and smashed his head in. I'm going to tell you, that, that's hatred right there. It's his own brother. They'd grown up together. I mean, they, they, they'd throwed rocks in the pond together. I mean, they'd chase... They chased squirrels up tree together. I mean, they'd done all kinds of things together. They had, they had had a childhood and a growing up together. But it was the fact that Jesus Christ was the dividing line. I know it wasn't. They didn't know his name. But it was a Messiah they were looking toward. It was righteousness that divided the two. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty nine twenty seven, an unjust man... A wicked man is an abomination to the just. And he that is upright in the way, the man who's moral, the man who's a good man, the man who's a, who's a righteous man, is an abomination to the wicked. You and I drive through a city and we pass a strip joint and we go, ugh. And they drive past a church and they go, ugh. Amen. Uh, you couldn't throw it. I said, you couldn't throw me in there. And they said, well, you couldn't throw me in there. That thing would fall down on me if I went in there. You heard them say that. That church would fall in on me if I went in there. No, you ain't too bad to come to God. Amen. But again, the Bible tells us a wicked man is an abomination. That means it makes us sick when we look at their, their filthiness. It makes us sick as a believer because we believe in righteousness and truth. I mean, you think about... <clears throat> I hate to get political, but let's just do it. I mean, you think about Joe Biden for a minute, okay? I'm not trying to be political, but let's just... Let's, the man don't know if he's upside down or right side up, backwards or forwards. He don't know anything at this moment. But... His whole campaign has been, you know, you know what? I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? He ain't got to stand on, so he blames everybody else for what he's doing. And to me, that's sickening. When I see somebody's been in office for decades and they ain't done anything but steal money away from the American people, that's corrupt as the devil, and that's sickening. Just like the kings in Israel who did that which was right in their own eyes, and they and they and they were corrupt and they did wickedly. I mean, listen, we got a government that's done the same thing. We look at people like that. We look at these perverts that are stealing children all over the nation. We look at somebody like that, and we say, gosh, that's sickening. All the perverts running in our land is sickening. Well, that's sickening to us. But yet those people look at us down here meeting in this church, and they say, that's sickening to me. We're not of the world, folks. But there was a time when we were. We were just like them at one time. You may say, no, I was never like that. You were just as wicked and lost as they were. You had the, you had the capacity in your heart to be as wicked as they are. Ephesians 2, 2 and 3, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. If Listen, if Christ did not intervene, if the Holy Ghost of God had not drawn you under conviction to Calvary, you'd have been just as wrong and just as messed up as the rest of them. You were on that course according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our, also had our, our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh. We just did whatever we wanted to, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and the mind. I know I've told you about that, but that, that, day, that day me and them boys, me and them boys got together as little kids and went around knocking on little old ladies' doors and saying, man, we're out collecting money from Boy Scouts. Did you want to donate today? And they'd come to the door and donate. And, and we was getting money to go buy a, a kiss-your-face rock group kiss makeup kit down at the old Tasco. That was wicked. I mean, I'm, I'm seven years old, eight years old. I mean, you saw, oh, that wasn't wicked. Yeah, it was. We took people from, we lied and stole. Yeah, it was wicked. I was on that course. Thank God Christ turned me around. Amen. The Bible says that we, 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 we were fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, doing what we wanted to, and were by nature the children of wrath. Well, we didn't, have, we didn't have God's nature in us. But Christ came to deliver us from the sin of this world. 
Galatians 3, 1, 3, and 4, Grace be unto you and peace from the God, the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for, my, for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. This present evil world does not have to overtake us. Again, we're safe in it as long as it's not in us. Amen? God's got us. And again, in, in, in Psalm 23, I've said that I'm a broken record, I know, but the, the, the valley of the shadow of death, the paths of righteousness go right down through the valley of the shadow of death. He prepares a table in the midst, in the presence of our enemies. He's got us in the middle of it all. The reality of a new life in Christ is so much better than what we have in this world. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I thank God that I'm not what I used to be. Amen? I know I'm not what I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. My desires have changed. Amen? I'm not like I used to be. I'm glad I'm not like Y'all wouldn't like me like I used to be. I wouldn't be of any use to you today if I were like I used to be. God has wrought a work in me, and God is doing a work in you. And thank God we're not what we used to be. Amen? Now, I want us to jump down in verse 15 for a second. Jesus said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. And that talking about the evil there. It's talking about the devil and his ways. Amen? You know, in the Lord, in what we call the Lord's Prayer, it's really the disciples' prayer, but it says, you know, deliver us from evil. That's, that's talking about, the, because Satan, he's, again, he's coming to try to take advantage of us. He's trying his best to, to disrupt our life. He's trying his best to get us off, off track and out of God's will. but deliver us from evil. But he says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Did you know that three, three men of God asked God to kill them? I, I mean, it's probably more than that, but I'll give you an example of three. That just finally got tired of this world and everything that was on them, and they were like, God, just take me out. I'll give you examples real quick. Uh, in, uh, in Numbers chapter 11, we have Moses. Verses 14 and 15. I mean, the people of Israel, they were complaining constantly, 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 constantly. And he said, I'm not able to bear this people alone because it's too heavy for me. God, this is too much. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee. Out of thy hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. Moses said, God, you got too much on my shoulders? I can't deal with all this. Just kill me and get it over with. Did God kill him? No. I pray not that that should take him out of the world. And then there was Elijah. I preached on Elijah Wednesday night. The same message I preached here about the where the water come from. And, uh, you know, Elijah, as soon as that happened, I mean, he, he did that for God, and, and then he took off running. But Jezebel going to kill me, and he went and he hid. What did he say when he was down there hiding? He said in 1 Kings 19.4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. <clears throat> and he came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it's enough now, Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. God, just kill me. I've had enough of this. You get weary sometimes. I mean, you just feel like this old world ain't going to get no better. Oh, God, just take us out of here. I mean, listen, my... My friend, my friend Wally, he, uh, you know, I've mentioned him a number of times. I know he's been down like that, where he just said, God, I'm ready to go. I've had other friends like that who've gone through some deep, dark valleys, and they said, God, just, I don't even want to go. I don't even want to make it any further. Just take me out of here. But that's not God's plan. Jonah even said that. In Jonah 4, 3, he said, now, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. We get weary in this old life. We get weary in this old world. It ain't like it was when we were younger. I, I mean, listen, I remember, I mean, when I was a kid, we didn't, nobody locked the doors. 
You left the keys in your ignition in the driveway. Nobody's worried about somebody stealing from you. You can play in the street till after dark. When the street lights come on, you better get home. Somebody's going to tear you up. But listen, you you play out there. I mean, you you left Saturday morning with, with maybe a, a sandwich in a baggie or something, and, and you has gone till dark. Nobody thought about where you was at. I know. We had a conversation. Mama said, I didn't even worry about where you were. No. Wasn't, no, wasn't, wasn't like it is today. But this whole world's gotten where you don't want your kids out of your sight. I mean, and I'm not surprised that if people today feel like God just take us out of here. You know, this is. I mean, it's going to get to that to the point where people are going to sure enough feel that way, if some of them hadn't already. But you know what? The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. Jesus said here. He said, "I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil." So God, I know, I, I, Father, I know it's going to get bad. Once I'm gone, I know they're going to be persecuted, and they were persecuted, and all of them end up dying a martyr's death with John. But, the, but, but Jesus said, Father, just keep them from the evil. Keep them from, from the evil. Don't let the devil destroy them. You might say, well, what did he do? They died a martyr's death. Well, it's appointed unto men once to die. They were appointed to a martyr's death. Amen? But the devil didn't destroy them. That's the thing. Amen? And God sets the appointment of our date of death. Amen? It ain't for us to choose it. He asked for God to keep them from the evil. And the pressures of evil are very strong. They don't give up. I'm going to tell you, don't ever lay down on the devil because he'll take advantage of you if you do. Amen? He keeps constant pressure on you and I to do evil. We've got it all around us, folks. I mean, it's coming at us through the television. It's coming at us through our phone. It's coming at us through, through everything that we see. It comes at us through people we, we talk to. We've got evil coming at us from everywhere. But the Bible tells us that in 1 Peter 5, 8, to be sober. Take it seriously. Make this, I mean, listen, if you're going to be serious about anything, be serious about keeping evil out of your mind and your heart and your home and out of your children's hearts and minds and your grandchildren's hearts and minds. We've got to be the last line of defense for them folks. Listen, we can't let the world raise our children and grandchildren for us because the world is going to raise them the world's way. No, we're to be sober. We're to be vigilant, which means always looking. A vigilante, he's holed up in a house somewhere. He's looking for the sheriff's posse. He's looking out of all the windows. I mean, he's peeking out all the time because he's concerned that he's going to get caught. Well, God says we're to be that way about the devil. We're to always be looking and, 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 be, and be, be skeptical of things. Be a skeptic when it comes to entertainment. Investigate. Don't take things at face value. If something looks suspicious, it's probably messed up. Leave it alone. He walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He don't want to just scratch you. He wants to destroy you. He hates you. You represent everything that he's against. And if he can get an inch, he'll take a mile. He's looking. I mean, listen, if we were in the house, I mean, let's just say what I said here this morning. If there was an actual lion roaming outside this property all around here looking for a way in, I mean, I guarantee you me and, me and the rest of the men in here would go around here making sure all the windows was locked and making sure the doors was locked. We wouldn't leave a door open. We wouldn't crack a window. We've got to be careful in our lives that we don't do that either because the devil is looking for a way in. And he's not looking to attack the strong one. He's looking for when we get weak. When we back up, we backslide. That's when he's going to attack you. <clears throat> Jesus said, keep them from the evil, Father. Keep them from the evil. But evil is the natural bit of a man. A man left on his own, that's where he's headed, amen? <clears throat> if you want to know what happens in the end, Genesis 6, 5 tells us about before God destroyed the earth with a flood, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's what, that's, what a, that's what a world without God looks like. And we've thrown God out of everything in America just about. And that's where America's headed. The rest of the world's already there. That's where we're headed. <clears throat> Listen to me. To do good 
is a whole lot more difficult than to do evil. I said it's natural for a man to do evil, but it's not natural for a man to do good. If somebody's driving crazy up down the highway and, and, and endangers your life, it's real easy to blow your horn, shake your fist, and hurl some insults out the window. It's harder to just smile and say, God bless you. I'm saying oh me on that one because I know I got aggravated this morning on the way to church because somebody was too slow in front of me. I have to work. And y'all pray for me on that one because that's one of my biggest ones. Amen. Um, if somebody lies to you and as a result of that lie, it causes a lot of grief, it's a whole lot easier to talk bad about them than it is to pray for them and pray God bless them. You know what? When everything goes wrong in your life, it's a whole lot easier to get mad than it is to just praise God anyhow. It's a whole lot easier to do wrong than it is to do right. Turn the other cheek is harder than slapping somebody back. But you know what? I got to trust God. I got to trust his keeping power. Even in times where I don't feel like letting him control me, I need to trust God. Amen. I need to remember I'm not of this world, and God is keeping me from the evil. And if I keep my eyes on him, if I keep focused on him, and if, and if, I, if in that moment where my temper wants to jump up and take hold of me, I say, but I'm going to make Jesus look bad. I've got to have him in control, not me. You know, in Romans 7, Paul talks about that perverse law he found working in the nature, his sin nature, his flesh. Romans 7, 18 through 21, he said, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. There ain't nothing good about this old body. For the will is present with me. I want to do right. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. I don't know how I'm going to do right. Why? For the good that I want to do, the good I would, I do not. I don't do what I want to do. I don't do right when I want to do right. But the evil which I would not or I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. And he said, now, if I, if I do what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it, but it's sin that dwells in me doing it. And he said, I find a law that when I want to do good, evil is present with me. Well, wonder why? Because the devil don't want you to do right. So he's there seeking whom he may devour at decision time. When you ought to do good, the devil's there trying to get you to do wrong. So you've got to put your eyes on the Lord in that moment and say, I represent the Lord, not the devil. I represent Christ, not the world. And I'm not of this world. And Christ has prayed for me, and Christ is still praying for me. He's at the right end of the Father interceding for me. I don't have to stoop to their level. I'm a child of God. What did Paul end up doing? He ended up calling on God, a power beyond himself. In verse 24 and 25, he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? <clears throat> this rotten, vile vessel that keeps trying to take me out of God's will. Who will deliver me? And he said, I thank God through Jesus, through, Christ, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I serve the law of God. I know what God said, and I know God's right. But my flesh, with the flesh, I serve the law of sin. My flesh wants to do wrong, and it's always going to want to do wrong. And I'm always going to be in a battle with this flesh. That's why I need my time with the Lord. That's why I need to walk with Him. That's why I need Him in my thoughts. That's why I need to meditate on Him. That's why I need to trust Him. That's why I need to surrender to Him. That's why I need to put my hand in His and say, Lead me, Father. Lead me by Your Spirit. And the third point, and this is the last, and we're almost done. Jesus said, they are not of this world. He said it there in verse 14, they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. I'm not to live like the world. I'm not to think like the world. I'm not to act like the world. I'm different from the world because I am a child of God. Others may do certain things, but I can't do them. Why? Because I'm a child of God. Others may respond like that, but not me. I'm a child of God. Again, he said, they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now, I want to give it to you in the context of him keeping us from evil. Amen? He said, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I have a different standing from those in the world. My standing is in Christ. Their standing is in Adam. I have been accepted in the Beloved. I'm not under condemnation. 
I possess a different nature than the world. I've been born of the Spirit. They've only been born of the flesh. I'm holy, spotless, and pure because of Christ's blood. They're corrupt from the defilement of this world. We serve different masters as well. I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. They serve their father, the devil, and his will will they do. We have different goals. Mine is to please the Lord. Theirs is to please themselves. We have a different citizenship. Ours is in heaven. Theirs is this world. We have a different life. I have a life in the Spirit of God. They have life in the flesh. We think differently. They that are of the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. They that are of the flesh mind the things of the flesh. To be carnally minded is death, but with the mind of the Spirit, that's life and peace. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And that's what I have. Amen. They don't have it. I take joy in the things of the Spirit. They take joy in the things of the flesh. And taking a long, hard look at this world and its system and the way it does things with its corruption, with its deceit, with its violence, its cheating, its oppression, its evil, its perversion, and its murder, I'm sure glad I'm not a part of this world. I don't want God's judgment poured out on me. I'd a whole lot rather keep company with Jesus Christ and his people than to hang around with the devil and his crowd. I'd a whole lot rather live a life of pureness, a life of love, a life of joy and peace in the Spirit of God than to live in the filth and the defilement of this flesh. Listen, I'm telling you something. In the long and the short of it is this. If you're saved this morning, just take it and look at what you have. Just look at what you have in Christ. Just rejoice over what we've been delivered from. Just rejoice that we're not counted with the condemned. Just rejoice that we've been called out and separated and that God has promised us deliverance and that God has promised us not only deliverance but joy, joy unspeakable, that God has promised us peace that goes beyond our understanding and that he is, I mean, that he has provided for us something beyond anything we could ever have found for ourselves. Said it's beyond anything we're able to ask or think. I'm not of this world. And if you're saved, you're not of this world. And we have something to rejoice about. Though the world may hate us, so be it. Jesus doesn't. He loves us. Amen. And in light of everything he's done for us, we got something to be thankful for this morning. We have something to rejoice about. Praise him. Give him glory. Don't be ashamed in this day and hour to praise God and give him glory with your life. Let's stand together. Sister's coming to play us an invitational hymn. What was that number I picked out there? I can't remember. 403. Number 403. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we do. Father in heaven, Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that we just take our salvation out and look at what we have in Christ. Lord, maybe just draw us back to, to giving you glory and praise for what you've done for us. Lord, I'm so thankful to be a child of God. So thankful to know my name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life that I've got a home waiting on me, and someday you're coming to take me there. I so rejoice in that. But, Lord, while we're here in the nasty now and now, Lord, I pray that you give us all the strength that we need in the Spirit of God, Lord, to keep us above all this that's underneath us, to keep us safe above this old world. Lord, lift us up above it and help us to walk. And we give you praise and glory for it. Lord, if there's somebody today that needs Jesus. Lord, I, be the, I pray this be the day they come. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my
While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Let me at thy throne of mercy find a sweet relief. Kneeling there in deep contrition, help my unbelief. Savior, Savior, hear my Amen. Well, we're going to go back yonder. I don't want anybody to pass by and not get some good food because we got plenty of good food to eat. Amen. We're going to enjoy us a good eating meeting. Amen. And uh, I don't know. I don't, we hadn't been, last the last few times we've been doing it, we hadn't come back in here and sang afterward. And uh, if you want to do that, we can certainly do that. I'm not opposed to it. But just uh, if you want to, then uh, I guess... At some point, we'll have to come in here, won't we? <laughs> How many? Let's let me let's, let's put it to a vote. How many of y'all want to come back in there and sing afterward? And you don't have to feel bad if you don't raise your hand. Okay. Don't look like nobody wants to. So, <laughs> just a couple. I know Taryn does. I'm not Taryn, but Taylor. I mean, yes. You have something you want to say, or are you just raising your hand? Just raising your hand. Okay. All right. Let's pray. Let's ask God to bless the food. Let's ask God to uh, to uh, bless our time of fellowship. And Brother Lucas, lead us in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. Uh, Lord, this Lord's day, being able to be in your house. Father, thank you for being good to us. Thank you for saving us. Yes. And uh, Father, this is in our walk, in our Christian life. I look forward to uh, these things. Lord, to shun the evil, to shun the wickedness. And uh, Lord, to draw nigh to you. Yes. Father, pray you help us do that, convict us if and when we don't, but forgive us where we fail you. And, uh, of course, Father, we always 